Daredevil Evil Knievel made some incredible jumps on his motorcycle in his day. And in 1974, he blasted out of a rocket at the Snake River Canyon in Idaho. Going to crash, obviously, into the river. It is okay, though. It's coming down about 17 feet per second. The gap was just too large. Throughout his career, Knievel broke over 400 bones trying to bridge those gaps. There is no way, that there is no amount of work, that there is absolutely nothing that would ever bridge that gap between you and God except the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. The gap that God fills between your unrighteousness and His righteousness is too large for anyone to cross on their own. But God gave you a gift that bridges that gap through His Son. And today, Robert Quintana challenges you to accept that gift. In the third and final part of his message, I shall bow. Uh, do you remember a few years ago that little bracelet that was so popular? Uh, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Do you know that Jesus read from the book of Isaiah? He did. Jesus himself read from the book of Isaiah. I'd like for you to turn. I'll show you here in Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 14. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Jesus read from the book of Isaiah. And it says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout the surrounding regions. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Uh, Maybe, I don't know if, if they planned this ahead of time, but he had scripture reading for that day. That was his appointed task for worship that day. He had scripture reading. And so it says in verse 17, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now keep in mind that when the Bible says the book, it wasn't a book like we know a book. It it was more like a scroll. And so you could say that he was handed the scroll of Isaiah. And it says here, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And this kind of indicates that he searched for this particular passage in Isaiah, which we can conclude that it seems like he had already read from the book of Isaiah and now was turning to this portion of Isaiah again. And this is what he read here in verse 18 from the book of Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That there being Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 and 2. And Jesus in front of everyone there at church read from Isaiah what we know now, chapter 61, um, 1 and 2. What a powerful message. 
I mean, what, what a powerful message Jesus is giving to the people who are listening to him there. In verse 20, listen to how powerful this was. Everyone was awestruck. It says here, then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant. And it says here that he sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. A little awkward, maybe. Can you think, just picture yourself being there. It's all quiet and he just finished reading this. I don't know what kind of inflection he used. I don't know how he read it, but he read it in such a way where everyone there was just awestruck by what he said and their eyes were fixed on Jesus. And as he looks around and everyone's eyes are fixed on him, he takes an opportunity here and he says to them in verse 21, And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. In the book of Isaiah, a prophetic message that is now being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. This is why I want you to read the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah paints this amazing picture of the life of Christ and the purpose of Christ. And this isn't the only time in Isaiah where you kind of get this picture, where you get a glimpse of who Christ is and, and his purpose and what he has come to accomplish for us on our behalf. The book of Isaiah is full of these prophetic visions. This is why the book of Isaiah is so popular in the New Testament. As the New Testament believers, as the New Testament writers were looking at the life and the purpose and everything that Jesus Christ had accomplished, they were reminded of the words in Isaiah and they kept on saying, this is a fulfillment of what the prophet Isaiah spoke about centuries ago. And so they would quote the book of Isaiah. I'm telling you, it's not the only one. Well, just if you want to finish reading this story, it's very powerful because there he says this and and some people were confused and and some accepted what he said and then some others denied him and and there was a big mess as to what what do we take away from the words of Jesus Christ saying that he is a fulfillment of that prophecy in the book of Isaiah. I challenge you to to read this because it is amazing. But when you look at the book of Isaiah, this isn't the only place This isn't the only time that Isaiah paints this amazing picture of who Jesus is, of his life, and of his purpose. There's one chapter in particular in the book of Isaiah that screams out probably more than any other chapter in Isaiah or in the entire Old Testament that screams out of this picture painted of Jesus Christ. I'd like for you to turn there to the book of Isaiah chapter 53. And we're going to read the entire chapter here. I'm going to read through it without any breaks. And I I just want you to kind of take this description in, this picture that's being painted of Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 53. This portion of scripture actually starts in Isaiah chapter 52 verse 13, which is where we're going to start. There are three questions that I want you to ask as I read this. One, can I identify God the Father in this description? Two, can I identify Jesus Christ in this description? 
And three, can I identify myself in this description? Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut up their mouths at him. For what had not been told them, they shall see. And what they had not heard, they shall consider. Who? has believed our report. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness and we shall see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Were you able to identify God the Father? Were you able to identify Jesus Christ? Were you able to identify yourself in this picture that was painted of the life of Christ and the purpose of Christ? 
when you think about the purpose of Christ, why Christ came to planet Earth. It's astounding. I mean, it is just amazing uh, to think that while we were still sinners, this God of the universe, the creator of everything that we see, that the God of love, the, the giver of love, the lover of all, the creator of the universe stepped down and became a man to take upon himself the penalty of sin, which we know is death. A penalty that that wasn't his to take. It's a penalty that belonged to you and to me. We're the ones that deserve this death. We're the ones that have sinned. We're the ones that have turned away. We're the ones that have fallen from righteousness. And yet this God loves us so much that he says, you know what? I want to give everyone a second chance. I want to give everyone a a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. And I have a way to do that with my sacrifice. If I offer myself up, I will, I will pay the penalty of sin, which is death. And I will give everyone an opportunity to live the life that I am giving up. You know, as we read through this and we think about my sin, we think about our sin. We think about how that sin separated us from God. And we might be tempted to say, okay, how can that gap be bridged? How can that, that, that huge void that's between God and mankind, how can that come together? And some of us hit our heads against the wall and, and we try so hard and, and we think that our works are going to get us there. We think that if only I can try a little bit harder, if only I can, I can do some more, then, then I can earn my right into heaven. I can earn the salvation that God wants for me. But this chapter reminds us that there is nothing that we can do, there is nothing that we can say besides accepting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf that will bridge that gap between God and mankind, between God and me. You know, there was an Ethiopian that was struggling with this chapter. He was, because he saw the sin in his life. He saw the sin that he carried. He understood this great gap between God and man, and he was struggling trying to figure out how will this bridge, how would this gap be bridged? How can we bring these things together? I'd like for you to turn to the book of Acts because we're going to read that story. It's a beautiful story. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 verse 26. A story of this Ethiopian who's traveling, who is wrestling with this very chapter in Scripture. It says here, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise. I love that word. And here it says to Philip, arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. And so here Philip goes to the desert, a a, a not a favorable place, a place that you really don't go except because God is calling you there. Verse 27, so he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, a great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Very interesting. We're told a lot about this man in just a short little verse here. It says in verse 28 that he was returning 
and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And so somehow, some way, this Ethiopian had acquired a scroll of the book of Isaiah. It's not like he can just go to the library and check out, you know, the book of Isaiah. And so here in verse 29, it says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. Now, can you imagine if God gave you that command today? You know, I need you to go to that car and knock on the window, and I need you to overtake that car. Someone might think you're a little crazy. And you might think they're going to think you're crazy. Are you going to miss out on the blessing if God is calling you to do so? So it says here in verse 29, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to it. He took advantage of this opportunity and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And the Ethiopian says, No, I have no clue. I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on here. I mean, is this talking about the prophet who wrote it? Is it talking about someone else? I don't understand what is going on here. And so it says here in verse 31, and he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Verse 34, so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else, of another man? And so he's confused. Right? He doesn't understand what is going on. He, he's not making sense of all of this. He, undoubtedly, he's already read of himself and the transgression of sin. And, 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 and now he's reading about how this man, whoever this is, has come on behalf of him to sacrifice himself on his behalf. And he wants to know more. He wants to make sense of this. And so it says here in verse 35... Then Philip opened his mouth, now listen to this, and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. He realized that in Jesus Christ, the sins that I carry are met at the cross in the personhood of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ has taken upon himself my sins, and as a result, it bridges the gap between God and man. Listen, I know that sometimes it's a little hard for us to understand this. You know, we've been hearing this, uh, most of us, for, for a long time now. And, and we think, oh yeah, Jesus Christ died for my sins. Yeah, Jesus Christ bridged the gap. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. But, but I, I want to try and bring this to life so that you can walk out of here today understanding how awesome Jesus is and what exactly he did for us. So I need a volunteer. Is there a young person that would like to come up here today and help me? All right, so I'm going to need you to stand there for just a second and just in a couple seconds hold the end of this, okay? 
One of the most fascinating um, events in the Olympics to me is the long jump. The long jump is one of those events that doesn't get broken every Olympics as some events seem to do. You know, there are some events that, you know, it seems like every Olympics there's a new world record. There's a new Olympic record. No, no, not true of the long jump. Does anyone know what the current record is? Don't, don't scream it out. Don't scream it out. I'm going to tell you here in just a second. All right, so I want you to hold that. The current record for the long jump is, well, let's just stop right here. This is 10 feet. All right? That's pretty long, isn't it? Now, how many of you here today think that with a little bit of practice, you might be able to jump 10 feet? And for those of you that are listening to me on the radio, I want to challenge you to to pace this out at home so that you have a visual of exactly what we're talking about here at church. This is 15 feet. Now, that's pretty long if you ask me. Can you imagine a man flying through the air 15 feet? But the record isn't 15 feet. I'm going to need you to step back a little bit more. Let's go to... uh, Let's go to 20 feet. Guys, do you think that that is humanly possible? To jump 20 feet. I, I really want you to take this in. I mean, you have a man that's running as fast as he can, and he is timing his stride perfect so that he hits that tape and jumps 20 feet. Anyone here think they can do this? You know, I suspect that there are some of you guys here today that are saying, I'm going to go home, I'm going to measure this out, and I'm going to see how close I can get. This is 20 feet, but that's not the record. I want you to go back now to 24 feet and 8 inches. That, my friends, is the record of the woman's long jump. Yeah. Galina Kristyakova from the former Soviet Union. She did this in 1988. The record has stood now for 24 years. All right, let's get to the guy's record here. Oh, I ran out of tape. All right, we need to add another four feet, four and a half inches right here. So that's... The world record, 29 feet, four and a half inches. You might remember, if you're old enough, who set this record. Mike Powell in 1991. The epic battle between Mike Powell and Carl Lewis. Do you remember that? Where they were head to head. And Carl Lewis actually broke this record, but the wind was too strong in his back. And so his jump did not qualify. But then Mike Powell stood up next, and he jumped this distance of 29 feet. Now, folks, I don't want to discourage any young person here today. And I know that most of us, you know, who are 30 plus, we realize that there's no way that we're ever going to be able to jump this distance. I mean, seriously, you can practice and you can train for the rest of your life 
There, there is no way. There, there is no amount of work. There is no amount of good deeds. There, there is absolutely nothing that would ever bridge that gap between you and God except the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now you know why when the Ethiopian heard that news, that there is someone, a suffering servant, as the book of Isaiah says, there is someone, the suffering servant that has come and he has paid the price for my sin. He has, he has paid the price. His sacrifice covers me. There is someone by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, a carpenter who bridged the gap. This is why now you see him falling to his knees, bowing down in worship, saying, what can I do to please you, God? You know, we've been talking about bowing down this whole series. And everyone, at some point, is going to bow down. And I'm going to tell you, the gap from standing to bowing is great. But I'm telling you that that comes in surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at fredericksdachurch.org. Do you feel satisfied with where you are in life? Or do you seem to always seek out things that you think will make you feel better about yourself? Next week, Robert Quintana begins a new series that helps you find contentment in life in The Meek and the beautiful. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at fredericksdachurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.